When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Hoping you're all in good form. John Paul taking your calls, whatever you want to comment on. We love to hear from you. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 86 103 Yesterday, just before the close of the programme, Maraid, one of our listeners, suggested as a topic that we might ask people how they felt about the Christmas decorations. And when was the right and the wrong time to put up Christmas decorations? We're into almost the middle of November and Maraid was of the think of the belief that some people are putting up their Christmas decorations too early and surely we should wait. I think she had suggested the 8th of December, the kind of the traditional day in which Christmas many years ago you wouldn't have even had a mention of Christmas on the airways before the 8th of December and she she was feeling that surely that's what we need to be going back to that don't be putting up your decorations until the 8th. So we did put it up on our social media last night. Got a massive reaction uh, on it. Uh, we were looking, asking listeners their thoughts you know, when when are you putting it up? When should they go up? Is there a time that it's too early to put them up? Leslie said the week before Christmas and they're down on New Year's Day. Whoa! <laughs> Trish says I'm putting mine up this week Michelle says there's never a wrong time everyone of the, has their own traditions we always have ours up for the toy show yeah I mentioned that uh, yesterday as well but the toy show now remember is earlier than it was many years ago it was always in the beginning of the kind of the first weekend of December or the, or the weekend closest to the 8th of December it was always when Uncle Gabo did it but now it's gone back it's the last is it the last Friday 
in November. It is earlier. Uh, Claire says, Christmas decorations, first weekend in December. There's so much work putting everything up and I rip them all down on New Year's Day depending on my mood. But everyone's different. It's all for the children at the end of the day. Lynn said, I put mine up for our wedding anniversary, which is the 5th of December. By the way, we'll be 32 years married this year. I love and congratulations. That's terrific. Jessica says, and there you see it's a tradition. I think that's what it is. It's a tradition in different households. Jessica says, whenever, whatever, whatever you want, no right, no wrong time. If you want to put them up, then do it. Jessica said, I put mine up on my birthday, which is the 27th of November. And it definitely has to be up before the Late Late Toy Show in my house, says Jessica. Siobhan says, lights went up today. That was yesterday. Everything else going up at the weekend. Sarah says, I saw a Christmas tree fully lit in Bandon last night. Some households are fully decorated at this stage. And Joe says, it'd be more in people's line to understand the real meaning of Christmas and not treat it as a boisterous season of self-indulgence and gluttony. Too commercial now. And the reverence of the season seems to have slipped by most folks. That's a bit heavy for this hour of the morning, uh, Joe. Not really in the festive mood as of yet. Hopefully getting closer to the time you'll be feeling nice and festive. And actually talking of feeling nice and festive, the countdown to Christmas truly begins this Sunday with the switching on of the Cork City Christmas lights. You're invited to join our gang on Patrick Street from half past six as we get ready to flick the switch. There'll be music from the Academy of Popular Music. The Cork Deaf Choir will be there. Plus, obviously, there's an appearance from the big man himself, Santa Claus. The lights will be switched on at about a quarter past seven, seven fifteen thereabouts. So you're invited to be on Patrick Street in Cork City this Sunday for the Christmas switch on, uh, and that usually hails people then officially say Christmas is now upon us. And actually, staying on the Christmas theme, I read a piece online about a shop in the United Kingdom who has decided to ban cheesy Christmas songs and they're doing it for the sake of staff morale this year. It's the York Gin Shop, which is in York. They will not be playing Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You or Slade's Merry Christmas Everyone. As it said, it will ruin Christmas for the shop floor staff who have to endure the music for eight hours every day. So one of the directors of the York Gin Shop claimed the move would be welcomed by shoppers who are also subjected to a constant playlist of festive hits from around mid-November. Most Heights Street shops, all of their Christmas decorations up by now and the festive songs are playing long before the 25th of December. So this shop has decided we're doing something about it this year. Now they do admit we do love Christmas but we want the gin shop to be a cheese-free zone. So what do they do? They tested lots of songs to see which sounded okay and which sounded weird and they were looking for the most cheesiest and let's cut out the cheese. So they've got a cut off in somewhere in the 1960s. Anything recorded after that has been banned from their playlist this Christmas. She says the team, the, the, the team in the shop, the workers, all very happy with the decision. They say lots of other shop staff are already going stir crazy with the same Christmas hits being played on a loop. That said, the York Gin Shop says if perchance Mariah Carey 
happened to be around York and popped into the shop. They said they might just overturn the band for a while and play All I Want for Christmas for You, but just while Mariah Carey is in the shop. What are they going to play instead? Well, they are playing a selection of Christmas carols. They're going to play seasonal ballets, such as the wonderful Nutcracker. They're going to have classics from the likes of Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra and Ella Fitzgerald. I think all of that sounds wonderful. The shop manager said they're confident that they will have the happiest staff and customers around this Christmas. Also, they've made sure that their playlist is big enough to make sure no one hears the same Christmas song more than twice in a full working week. So that's a big, big playlist. <laughs> that got me thinking, how do people feel? I suppose if you're doing a lot of shopping and you're in and out of different stores and they are all on a loop and they are being repeated, it must be for the staff members themselves, yeah, if you're not into the Christmas songs. And I think even if you are into the Christmas songs, if they're being played too much, I can understand people going stir crazy. But when I was reading it online, it reminded me of something that I witnessed. Just a couple of years ago, we went to Australia uh, for Christmas and I was out on Christmas Eve just getting the kind of the last bits and pieces and I wanted to savour the atmosphere of what was Australia like on Christmas Eve and can I say very different to what it's like on Christmas Eve back home because Christmas Eve I love Christmas Eve here at home and you all wrap up on Christmas Eve and there's there's a wonderful buzz around the shops and it's, it's terrific and everybody's in good form very different in Australia because it's hot and people are in shorts and it was people are more frazzled I think and it's probably to do with the heat and they don't decorate the way we decorate here so it's a, it definitely is a different feel anyway I was in one shop And they had Christmas tunes playing on a loop, as we do here in Ireland. And all Mariah Carey's, all I want for Christmas, that probably the cheesiest of all Christmas songs uh, came on. And literally, it was a small enough shop. Literally, this woman in a very loud voice said, if I hear that. And then she dropped the F word, the full F word. Mm -mm. Song one more time. I swear to God, I'm going to kill someone. And she stormed out of the shop. And and there was probably 10 shoppers in the shop. We were all like stunned, silent. We also looked at the, there was a couple of workers there. Um, The poor manager of the shop said, sorry about that. And somebody's having a bad day. Now, you know, God knows what's going on in the woman's life. But she just got into a sort of a blind rage. And poor old Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas just triggered it. And she stormed out of the shop. And we don't know, I didn't see her after that. So I can understand some people just go stir crazy about Christmas shops. So if you're around York and I think the songs that they have chosen, this whole idea of having Christmas carols and nothing, the cut off point is the 1960s and, you know, Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, Nutcracker. I mean, just, it sounds absolutely gorgeous and will be beautiful and festive. And I think very much in keeping with this particular store because the shop is actually a 16th century Tudor building in the heart of historic York in the United Kingdom. So I think it's the setting is right for us as well. So if you're around York, pop into the gin store. Tell them we were talking about them and you might get a little nip of gin while you're in there. But just go in and savour the music because it sounds like it's going to be gorgeous. Somebody yesterday said, Patricia, is it true that to send a Christmas card to the United Kingdom this year is going to set me back 150? The reason for the lady's dilemma was she said, I have 10 cards that I need to send. That will cost me 15 euro. Could you check that out for me, please? Well, I can. And you're wrong. It's not 150 to send a card to the United Kingdom. You're going to be very disappointed. It's actually 170. The price of the stamp 
to the UK and to mainland Europe went up during the year. So it's 170 to post a card to anywhere in Great Britain or anywhere across Europe and the rest of the world. OK, so it's one, is that 150? So it would be 150 for Australia and America uh, or 170. So 170 anywhere outside of Ireland. If you're posting postcards here or Christmas cards here in Ireland, it is one euro. But for anywhere else outside of the country, 170, which is expensive. I mean, if for that lady who contacted us yesterday asking me to check it out, 10 cards, that would be 17 euro just to post the cards. And I'm wondering, kind of the law of diminishing returns, if they put things up too much, will it stop people sending cards? And I hope that we don't lose the tradition of sending Christmas cards. I love, I send Christmas cards every year. Do I send less than I would have sent years ago. I probably do. I'd have to stop and think about that, but I, I probably do. But I have kind of a list and, and I imagine other people are in the same boat as me. You have a list of people that you send Christmas cards to. And yes, I would have relatives in England and we, I won't say we only communicate at Christmas. There probably was a time where we only communicated at Christmas, but that's one of the real pluses to social media. We're now communicating an awful lot more during the year and we're seeing photographs of each other and we're watching other each other's kids and grandchildren growing up, which is which is lovely. So it isn't the only time we communicate, but I, I still don't think it would stop me from sending the Christmas cards. But they are going to you have the cost of buying the Christmas cards, and please, as I do every year when you're buying your Christmas cards, please try and think of charity Christmas cards. They might be a little bit more expensive than the cards that you can buy in you know a department store or whatever. But buy some of your cards, if if not all of them, please buy them from charities and every single charity will have wonderful, wonderful Christmas cards uh, this year because it's one of those things if you have to do it try at the same time know that the charity is going to benefit from from it. So you've got the actual buying of the Christmas cards the sitting down on the writing of the Christmas cards can be a right pain for some people but then when you head to the post office just be prepared if you have 10 and a lot of people would have 10 Christmas cards to send to the United Kingdom if you've got family over there it'll cost you 17 euro just for those 10 cards but the, the good news is for the cards locally and here in Ireland, it, it remains at a euro. 1850 Your thoughts still coming in on the putting up of the Christmas decorations. Is there a right or a wrong time? What's your feeling uh, on it? Someone says, roll on the new year. I hate Christmas. That comes in from a North Cork man. And there are many people for... Now, there are the bad humbugs, people who just for no other reason except they've never liked Christmas. There are people like that. But there are also, and I'm very conscious of that, there are also people who dread Christmas because of the loss of a loved one. And there would be people listening to us this morning who would be facing into their first Christmas without a loved one or second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever. Sometimes some people say they never get over missing loved ones at Christmas and people can absolutely be dreading it and can't wait for the new year to come so that everything about Christmas can just disappear and then they can get on with their lives uh, again. Margaret says, Patricia, I put up my Christmas tree around the 8th of December and I leave it up until the 6th of January. 12 days in Christmas, 24th through to the 6th of January. That's the meaning, the real meaning of Christmas is gone, says uh, Margaret. Yeah, it is. I mean, we are a very, we're a very changed country and people's views on Christmas are very, very different than, say, previous generations. But I'm, I'm very much a traditionist with the 6th of January. You know, the people who were saying on our social media that on New Year's Day they come down. That's one thing 
I'm very rigid on. I will not take the decorations down until after the 6th of January. I do like to honour that tradition. And then there's a part of me, I hate them coming down because I think the house looks so bare uh, afterwards. Each to their own, though. Each to their own. Coming up on the programme uh, this morning, should Cork be leading the way by introducing a four-day working week? We'll be hearing from a by-election candidate. Who thinks so? Your thoughts on a four-day working week? I'd be interested in hearing from you. Uh, we are discussing a free evening, which is going to offer advice on wills and end-of-life decisions. We'll be speaking with a solicitor on the programme today. So if you have a particular query about a will or the writing of a will, get your question in, please, plenty of time uh, because he's joining us at about quarter to 11 so get your question in if you want it answered please after 11 the new fines and penalties that came in from midnight last night for overtaking cyclists in a dangerous manner be careful out on the roads please we want our cyclists to be safe but if you overtake dangerously, you can face new fines and uh, penalty points. We'll speak with Joseph Byrne of Joseph's Hair Salon in Glasheen. He's offering two pampering days this Christmas for those who are in need. And then Joe Heffernan will join us after half past 12. And we're looking at the importance of laughter on the programme uh, today. Would this cheer you up? <laughs> Isn't there something about a baby's laugh? It'll always put you in a good mood. I was talking about the cost of posting a card to Great Britain and a letter or a card is one euro and seventy. That's up to a hundred grams. Somebody said I spent I sent a small card to the United Kingdom and it cost me two eighty. Don't know how it cost you two eighty unless it was over. You had something in the card that put the weight over a hundred grams. If it was just a plain card in an envelope. Should have only cost you one seventy because if it was in a large envelope, it would have cost you two ninety. So I don't know where the two eighty comes from. I certainly would have been querying that. Hi Patricia, Christmas Eve was always my family's time to put up our Christmas tree. However, after having my son, after all it however I, after having my son, after all, it's all about the children. I now do it on the 1st of, no, of December. I no longer have my son, though. This will be my fourth one without him. I still do it as my son loved Christmas. So I do it uh, for him. Uh, yeah, that's it. And it can bring back wonderful, wonderful memories as well. Thank you for that. By WhatsApp. Uh, hi, Patricia. I think different strokes for different folks. Nobody has the right to deny people's happiness. If people are happy with it, fine. If you don't like it, then put yours up later. Simple as that. I love Christmas. No harm playing a few Christmas songs on the radio. After all, the other people have the other 10 months to listen to normal songs. So I have no problem at all with hearing Christmas songs. And that's from Alan. Thank you, Alan. And Noreen in Newmarket says Christmas is only a money making racket for the shops. The money she would normally spend on Christmas cards, she's not going to spend this year. She's going to donate to the poor instead, which is a nice uh, thought and a nice way to do it as well. Noreen, thank you for that. Some of your tech Texts coming in on, oh, this is on the four day working week that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on. Dermot says, Tricia, all farmers and self-employed would love a four day working week. In reality, that is never going to happen. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the points we are going to be covering. It's only going to be certain industries that it is actually going to uh, suit. We'll be talking about that after 11 o'clock today. Now, from midnight last night, a crackdown on motorists who don't allow cyclists enough space when overtaking has been introduced to discuss the new measures. Measures Conor Faulkner of the A. A joins me. Good morning, Chicana. 
Hello, Patricia. Good morning. Uh, and you're very welcome to the programme. We haven't spoken in a while. Yes, I don't know. Indeed. I don't know what it is, but whenever you mention cyclists, it just seems to raise the ire of motorists, and we're already inundated with callers. What is it about motorists and cyclists? Yeah, well, I tell you, it is. It's one of those ones that comes up all the time. Motorists give out about cyclists and cyclists give out about motorists. And both forget that both are human beings and and, and both are to some degree equally guilty. Most of us are reasonably well behaved most of the time. Um, You know, then you get that you know, that minority or, you know, I sometimes have bad mornings, Patricia, and so do you as well. So when you see a cyclist doing something rude on the road, maybe breaking a red light or something like that, it's no different from when you see the motorist overtaking obnoxiously or parking rudely. We can all be prone to sort of moments of, of rudeness around the edges. But I think one of the things that compounds things is that motorists in traffic are stuck there. So their frustration levels are rising higher and higher That's and higher. Point, eh? And they're likely to get more annoyed then at the sight of a cyclist breaking the rules. But I think two important things to, to say here. Firstly, cyclists do not break the rules any more than motorists do. Okay. Both are human beings. Both are equally pro- prone to rudeness. And then the second thing is just even as the motoring representative body, we know that motorists have a greater duty of care, a greater responsibility. We're the ones with an engine and a ton of car. Our capacity to do third-party damage is vastly greater than a cyclist. So the rules are tougher for us. The game is more serious for us. And that is appropriate. That's as it should be. And I think on reflection, no motorist truly objects to that. Yeah, I mean, nine cyclists died on our roads uh, last year, 40 since 2016. They are probably the most vulnerable road users. Yeah, they are, them and motorcyclists, but they are, particularly in urban areas. Now, by way of context, Patricia, we should reflect and remember that actually our road safety data is very good. In the last 20 years or so, the total number of people killed and injured on Irish roads is down by two-thirds. That's amazing progress. Now, we're not the only ones. Developed countries right around the world are making similar progress and for similar reasons. The Western world is taking road safety far more seriously than it did a generation ago, and that's great. So actually, your cyclist going to work in Cork or going to work in Dublin, statistically, they're safer now than they ever were. They're certainly a damn sight safer than than I was when I was cycling to school back in the day. Um, But it doesn't feel that way. People will tell you, parents will say, oh, I wouldn't let little Johnny cycle to school. It's much too dangerous. Or, oh, no, I'm I'm only four kilometers from work, but there's no way I'd cycle it through Cork City. I'd be terrified. And actually, you know, perception can often be more important than reality. The perception is real, but if you look at the underlying data, actually it's never been safer. Okay, so since midnight last night, new fines and penalties. What can motorists expect? Yeah, they're not very different from the old fines and penalties, Patricia, to be honest with you. Before yesterday, if you were a motorist obnoxiously overtaking a cyclist, you could be punished under two clauses in law. The first was it's an offence for dangerous overtaking. That's still there. And the other one was that it's always an offence to drive a car without due care and attention. And yesterday, either of those clauses in the Road Traffic Act could have been used to prosecute you. Uh, But Ireland loves doing new laws. We now have a new law. So from midnight tonight, the offence of dangerous overtaking is split into two offences, one of which is dangerous overtaking of a cyclist. So if you do the same behaviour today, if you obnoxiously pass a cyclist, if you cut him off, if you force him to mount a path or whatever, you behave in that manner, you can be prosecuted for dangerous overtaking of a cyclist, and that's three penalty points on the spot on a €120 fine, or five penalty points if you're convicted in court. Now, what's the difference yesterday to today? 
in reality, probably nothing. You know, it's, it's a little bit cosmetic. Look what a shiny new law we have. Well, you didn't use the old law, so if you don't use the new one, it's not going to make any difference. Because yeah, the obvious one, how, how does this get policed? Well, that is the absolute centre of the question, Patricia, because it's all very well, and Ireland does this all the time, to announce how much we care about road safety by announcing new laws. Um, but, you know, unless you're backing them up, it, it, it's worse than meaningless. It just, you know, becomes, it becomes increasingly devalued as a currency over time, every time you make an announcement. And there have actually been government ministers. This minister is a good one. He gets lots of criticism in lots of ways, Shane Ross. But on road safety, he really does care. He's not faking it. He's very passionate. I know that firsthand, and I believe him. And that's a good thing. But, you know, amongst his predecessors, there are ministers who will assume their term in office and, and, you know, actually use making a new law as if it was an advertising campaign, you know, to get people talking about cyclists and isn't that all the good? Well, no, that's not what you use your primary legislation for. You've got to be more serious than that. So, look, back to Garda and enforcement. Will we get more Garda enforcing? I hope so. But I think what you will get, whether this is good or bad, it's become topical. The Garda mm-hmm. have a new law, and everybody's talking about it. So I think it likely that the Garda will clamp down on bad behaviour by motorists in the vicinity of cyclists. And I would expect to see uh, prosecutions on that in our towns and cities over the next, certainly over the next quarter or two quarters. So take our warning. You know, if, if you are one of those people who's prone to impatience in morning traffic and you tend not to keep an eye out for cyclists or you're a bit prone to be grumpy and cross with them, uh, then look out. Your behaviours could well work. Because I saw an article in the paper today with somebody reckoning there's going to be a huge increase in the amount of body cams or dash cams bought by cyclists. Could yeah, they, no, can they be used in a, in a court of law? Well, theoretically, but the guards aren't obliged to. And here's where I part company with some of the cyclists, because, again, you know, we're forgetting that both are Mark 1 human beings. There's a tendency in the cyclist camp, no more than in the motorist camp, to really treat this as a culture war of some sort. And I've seen appallingly obnoxious behaviour on cyclists, you know, entitled behaviour, truly rude behaviour. I've seen cyclists kick wing mirrors and pump car windows because they feel entitled to, because they feel that somehow they're more versatile virtuous as citizens than the person sitting in the car. It's an ugly, ugly emotion and I don't like it. And I would think as an extension of that, you get the cycling vigilante. Uh, they want to be an amateur guard and, you know, every morning they'll be back down to their guard station with a fresh range of footage. Look what that driver did. Look what that driver did. Look what that driver did. I don't think cameras are useful for that. I'd rather the cyclist in question just kept a civil tug in their head and, and cycled into work. And everybody without having, by to, the rules. Without, having, without having to virtue signal at the entire planet. But having said that, if dash cam footage is available or body cam footage is available and the incident is serious, then yes, Gardaí will look at it and will we'll use it in prosecution as necessary. But the notion of, of cyclists going into Garda station saying, that person was supposed to give me a metre clearance and he actually only gave me 95 centimetres. I demand justice, down tools, forget the crime wave, I want the guards on the case. No, 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 no. Everybody's busy. Get out and go cycle to work. And I think more of us could do with that attitude than, than continually looking to um, either pre-chat uh, or, 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 or become an amateur guard to uh, the lifestyle and behaviours of others. I mean, I, I just don't think that's constructive. And, and I don't like it as an emotion. And you do see it on the part of drivers who casually give out about cyclists. And you certainly see it the other way around. Absolutely. As well. Absolutely. OK. Uh, and just very finally, I mean, that campaign to 
allow at least 1.5 metres. We saw all the ads when passing out a cyclist. Is that working? Yeah, well, I mean, that is supportive of this new law, Patricia. I mean, that really is what's bent by it. How do you dangerously overtake a cyclist? Well, you pass him too close and scare him or wobble him and force him onto the path. That's the behaviour. Now, originally, when they tried to bring in a law like this, they actually stipulated the distances. One metre in a 50 kph zone, 1.5 metres in a higher speed limit zone. But it was pointed out to them by the Attorney General that that would be impossible. You would literally have solicitors rubbing their hands together in glee, guardy having to prove distances in centimetres every time they brought a case forward, totally unworkable. So, you know, it's a guideline in the rules of the road. If you flout it, it's obnoxious behaviour for which you'll be prosecuted. Um, but, you know, thankfully, no, we're, n- we're not talking about physically measuring distances of that sort because it wouldn't be practical to do so. Okay. But the, the message for motorists, though, give cyclists a good bit of distance and space. Be nice to them. Don't pass them obnoxiously. Recognise that they have a right to be on the road and show some manners. And that is the law for motorists. It is for cyclists, too. Works uh, both but, ways. But, yeah, fi- you know, about 5% of both of those groups could do with improving their manners and I hope they do. Okay, listen Connor, pleasure as always to talk to you. Thank you for that. Thanks and uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Connor Faulkner of the AA. Uh, Gath on Twitter at C103 Cork. Drivers can now face a fine and penalty points for dangerous overtaking of cyclists. Well, the same applies, says Gath, to cyclists who ride five abreast and will not ride single file to let cars overtake on a winding or a narrow road. This would stop lots of dangerous overtaking. Colin says, your attempt to justify, and I'm assuming this is to Connor, your attempt to justify dangerous overtaking is feeble and rather sad. Drivers are solely responsible for ensuring they overtake safely. If you can't, then don't, says Colin, who I'm assuming is a cyclist. Peter in North Cork, who will police this? Who will give out the three points on the spot? Who will give out the fines? As a driver, do we need to roll down the window and measure the distance while we're passing out of cyclists? It's a crazy situation, a crazy law. And what about cyclists that are cycling with earphones in their ears and they can't see, hear anything. Michael and Butterfant, what about the roads where briars are sticking out on the road? There are cyclists who have to cycle out in the middle of the road to avoid the briars. Why doesn't Shane Ross enforce that land loan owners cut back briars on their dikes that would make the main roadways safer and allow people to cycle. 1850 333 103. Hi, Nick Richards here from C103's Afternoon Show. Santa's on his way and he wants to talk to court kids. Ho, ho, ho! I just can't wait to talk to you all on Cork's Greatest Hits, C103. The countdown to the big day is on, so don't miss your chance to talk to the big man himself. It's so easy. Simply go to c103.ie and fill out the special entry form for your chance to get a Christmas call from Santa. With World of Wonder, Blackpool and Mallow. For toys that spark imagination and joy. Worldofwonder.ie Get ready for Santa's Christmas calls. I could be talking to you with Nick Richards in the afternoon only on C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Dara Community Council are organising a free presentation evening covering topics associated with end-of-life planning with well-known West Cork solicitor Flora McCarthy. So to discuss an event entitled You Can't Take It With You, Flora McCarthy uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Flora. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Do, do many or some people find it very difficult to discuss their wills or anything to do with end-of-life issues? Yes. You know, and it's so unfortunate and unnecessary because people see it as a kind of a gloomy and a kind of a depressing sort of topic that they want to avoid having to deal with. 
Uh, but it's really, really, you know, very, very easy and, and, and a simple thing to do and to take care of things so that you can then just forget about that and get on with living your life and enjoying your life to the full in the confidence that everything is taken care of, you know. So it, it really, sh- it, people do tend to kind of put it off and shove it into the, to the side of something they really just don't want to deal with. But, uh, you know, frankly, it's a very simple and easy thing to do. And once you've got it done, then, it just enables you. It, it, it kind of frees you. It, yeah, it, it, yeah. It there's the burden. There's a relief. It's done and exactly, dusted. Exactly. And and because to die without a will can leave your grieving family with so much to oh, sort out. Well, yeah. I mean, it leaves so many, you know, potential problems. And I suppose the real crux of it is that it, it, you know, you have no control in that situation. I mean, while you can take it with you, I mean, most of us are going to leave people that we love behind us and they're people that we want to make sure don't have problems that are left there because we kind of didn't do what we should have done at the time, you know. Um, and, I mean, what happens is, if you haven't made a will, then a thing called the Succession Act kicks in and, 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 and things go automatically in accordance with certain shares and so on, which can really be totally unsuitable in certain circumstances. I mean, when you have couples with young children, uh, you might think, oh my God, if anything happened to one of us, everything would go to the, the, the surviving spouse. But no, it doesn't. It goes between the surviving spouse and the children in shares, which is very complicated for young families, for instance, if that were to happen. Um, and of course, in, if for older people then, it, you know, if things were to go under, under the Succession Act, it would be, you know, very, very messy and complicated and perhaps not what you wanted. So, whereas on the other hand, a will it's probably one of the simplest legal documents that can be done. It doesn't have to be complicated. It isn't hard. It doesn't require you to do a full audit of everything in your life. It's just you say some very simple things about what you would like to happen if, if, if anything happened to you. Uh, and it, it's really easy and simple to get taken care of. And then try to make it as clear as possible if there are things that you want to leave to certain loved ones. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I suppose it's about thinking about the bigger picture. You know, it's not about thinking about micromanaging kind of issues and little, you know, what am I going to do about this, that and the other and and, and people can often think about sentimental items and small items, which are very important to them, of course, but which, you know, might, I suppose, be details that are, that are not helpful in the context of that kind of planning. So it's about thinking about, you know, the bigger picture, who on balance would you, you know, would, 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 should, should benefit, of, you know, of, of, in, of the entire of what you would like. To, first of all, who would you like to take care of things for you? Who would you like to step into the role to have, who have the, the power and responsibility to deal with things for you? That's the most important thing. And sometimes if, if that isn't done properly, people who maybe aren't terribly suitable might end up legally being the people entitled to have to do whatever needs to be done. Whereas, you know, a little bit of pre-planning could have said, well, look, actually, I'll appoint somebody else who, who actually is kind of, you know, suitable and capable and, 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 and who can take that kind of thing in their stride. Um, so um, that's, that's the whole will side of the picture. And just actually on, because whenever we have a solicitor on about wills, we always get questions in, how much do wills cost? And I know it probably varies from solicitor to solicitor, but a ballpark figure, I think people are of the view that it's a very expensive thing to do. No, I mean, it's it's something that I guess I would have thought, you know, a very basic will would probably cost maybe about maybe about 150, 200 euros. Yeah, for it a, isn't for that expensive. Yeah, people are yeah, of this yeah. view. I think it's because of legal fees. People think, oh, it's going to cost a fortune. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's it, a good question. Nora's in Cantork and she says uh, the majority of her family are living abroad. Now, she has selected a family member to be executor to her will, but she's wondering, should that person have access to her bank account when she dies so that they can pay for the funeral? The access to the bank account would only be for the purpose of paying for the funeral. Well, uh, yes, it, it, it might make sense, but I suppose it is worth bearing in mind that funeral expenses are the one thing that a bank will pay out without any need for a grant of probate or anything like that. So if you go to a, if you go to a bank with a, a bill from, a, from an undertaker or a funeral director um, 
for funeral expenses, the bank will write a cheque from the account for that without any grant of probate or without any necessity yeah. for any legal documentation. And I think that's so, a generational thing. People want to make sure that the funeral yeah. is paid but for. But that is the one that thing gets... is ab- you can be absolutely certain of no matter what, uh, that can be done easily. Okay, that's and, good. And, and that... it, it shouldn't be putting people uh, worrying. That will give Nora a uh, peace of mind. And then we have a lady who should remain anonymous who's contacted us to say her husband uh, is talking about making his will. He wants to leave everything. They've got a farm and a house to their eldest son. She's quite upset. He doesn't want mm. to have her named in the will. Well, I mean, rightly so, I would have thought. Uh, I mean, under the Succession Act, she would have an entitlement. Um, there is, as a, a, a spouse, you, you have a, a legal right share that you're entitled to under the Succession Act. It can't actually be, it can't be, it can't be given to anybody else. I mean, it's, it's, it's a legal entitlement. Um, so um, I suppose that would be something, it would be important to take legal advice on that. But certainly it's it's not, in, in a, a husband and wife, like any other, you know, family situation. I mean, we have we have um, um, legal provisions there to protect um, spouses in, in in a family law context, and that that applies in succession as well. So it isn't possible to simply write somebody out. Yeah, um, she could, and, could, but she, it would be contested. But that's well, that, that, it's something that you know certainly there, that one would have a right to to challenge that, and, and and it wouldn't be something you would have to accept because there are legal provisions that specifically say you can't do that. Okay. Now, outside of wills, I know you're going to be discussing other end of life issues. What I mean, mm-hmm. talk to me about what do we need to keep in mind when it comes to end of life issues, especially when we mightn't have all of our senses about it. Well, 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 this is a really key point, and it's one of the things I would like to emphasise really in terms of this, because, of course, wills are important in terms of, you know, taking care of things for after we're gone. But, I mean, you know, for us, it, right now, it's about what's going to happen while we're still here and about planning for that and ageing with dignity is one of the things that we want to emphasise here in this event. Um, so, I mean, the important things that we have now, it used to be the case that if somebody lost their their, men, their capacity and weren't able to make decisions for themselves, you had a very cumbersome posi- uh, provision called wardship, wards of court and things like that, and it, it, it sounds very Victorian and ancient. Uh, but now we have a lot of mechanisms there to enable people to, to, to plan and, and, and put provisions in place to, 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 to deal with their affairs if they do lose their capacity. We have things called an enduring power of attorney, which is a simple, again, relatively straightforward legal document. Uh, now, it's a bit more complicated than a will in terms of creating it because you've got to serve notice on various people and there are, there's a bit more involved in it, but it's essentially quite a straightforward document. Um, but this enables you now, while you have full capacity, to say, well, look, if anything were to happen to me, I will appoint this person or that person to take care of things and I will give them these powers to make decisions for me and to call the shots for me and do things for me. So that then enables um, them to deal with bank accounts and property and, and all of those other things that need to be taken care of if you were to lose your capacity. So it gives us power now to say, look, if anything happens to me, I want this person uh, to be able to step in and have full power as I could have done myself. So that's a really valuable tool, but it has to be done now it has to be done while we're able to make decisions. It's not something we can do after it's too late and we've maybe perhaps lost the ability to make decisions for ourselves. It's a very important thing to put in place. It's called an enduring power of attorney. And the other thing that we could think about is the idea of a thing called a living will, which is a document that we would put in place to deal with situations, let's say, in a medical context, if there were things that we didn't want to be done to us in the event that, you know, certain things happened and we weren't maybe conscious or, or in a position to make decisions for ourselves, we can now put down in writing what we want to happen or who we want to be consulted about certain decisions so that if, if those decisions arise and we're not there to make the call the shots for ourselves, then um, 
people we trust can 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 do uh, what we would have liked to have done if we were there ourselves. In, you know, in, in a decision making sense. Okay, and just to finish up on a quick question from a listener: My widowed mother is in a nursing home and unfortunately has no will made and is now not in a in a situation to be able to make one. What will happen in her case? Well, on, well, in that situation, then the law of intestacy will apply, and um, and 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 that lady's estate now will go in accordance with the with the provisions of intestacy under the under the Succession Act, nineteen sixty five, and and unfortunately, and she's widowed, so it'll be left to the children. Well, again, I, I don't know the specifics. You would have to look at it, but it would be it will it will go according to kind of um, relationship entitlements. And yeah. if, if you had, if, if, yes, but a, it's, a an ex- it's an example of why we should all oh, make our wills. And again, you know, she may have wished to benefit all her children equally. You know, that may have been what she would have wanted to do. But yeah. again, it's you know, that's not a decision she's now able to make. Yeah, and, which and, is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, unfortunate. So, so. Uh, Flora, you're a mine of information as always. Your your night in Dara is this night week, isn't it? It is on Tuesday, the nineteenth of November in Dara Community Centre in Ring in Clannacilty, County Cork, my local community centre. Delighted to be going there. Really Great. privileged and honoured And it's to a be free invited. event. It's a free event. It's Brilliant. at 8pm on Tuesday the 19th and uh, it's, everybody is more than welcome. It should be a great information uh, Fantastic. Event. And it's Adara CC on Facebook if anybody is interested in finding out. Okay. More. Listen, thanks for that and our message to everyone. Go out and make your will. That's thanks a million, Flora. Good to talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Flora McCarthy, uh, well-known West Cork uh, solicitor. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And my thanks once again to Solicitor Flora McCarthy uh, for joining us in the last hour. And it's this night, week, next Tuesday night uh, in Indara uh, Community Hall where that he's giving a chat about wills and the Succession Act and end of life and enduring powers of attorney if, if you want to go along and it is a free event so well done to Dara Community Council uh, for organising that but we have had a lot of questions that unfortunately we didn't have the time for Flora to answer them all so I was just chatting to John Paul there uh, we might we will if, when he's available to us uh, ask Flora to join us uh, maybe I don't know if we'll get to this side of Christmas we'll certainly do something early in the new year and we'll give people advanced warning of when Flora's coming on so you can get your questions in in plenty of time because there's a lot of people have questions and queries about uh, wills uh, including Margaret who contacted us to say she has been left an inheritance now I don't know how much the inheritance is and I don't need to know how much the inheritance is she hasn't received it yet but she's worried uh, in case it will affect her old age pension. Now if your old age pension Margaret is a non-contributory old age pension which is means tested and if you receive quite a substantial inheritance then yes you may not pass the means test for a full old age pension. I heard of somebody earlier in the year who got an inheritance that they weren't expecting and the person ended up with a reduced old age pension but more importantly and more worryingly they lost their medical card. And that was a big problem for them. And then when that person was being given advice, but it was, I don't know, it was too late at that stage. You can turn down an inheritance if you want, if you think it is going to affect your financial independence or dependence. Uh, so that's something that might be worth thinking of as well. Not that I'm saying to you, Margaret, turn down your inheritance, don't. But uh, what you need to do is get legal advice. I'd get the advice and get the advice before you get the inheritance so that you don't end up in a situation where you might lose your old age pension and the worrying one, I think, for older people is the very thought of losing a medical card because remember, a medical card, even for the over 70s, does come with a certain 
means testing now it's a much more generous means testing than it is for the wider population but it is something that you need to bear in mind but thank you for that and our apologies to everybody else whose questions we didn't get to but as I say we are going to do our best to see if Flora will join us as I say maybe in the new year and we'll give people loads of advanced warning so we can let people know when he's going to come on now huge huge number of texts WhatsApps, social media commentary and phone calls into John Paul on cyclists and the new laws that have come in as and from midnight last night on this dangerous overtaking. You've got to be so careful. On the spot, €120 fine and you will pick up three penalty points. A lot of people are not happy with this, I can tell you. Let me give you a sample of some of the calls and texts in. Mary in North Cork says, cyclists are the most unmannerly people on the road. They often have ear phones in so they can't hear a thing. If drivers have to go halfway across the road to avoid them then there will be more accidents. This new law is so simply over the top. Mary is driving over 50 years. Why should motorists be treated as inferior to people who at the end of the day don't pay any road tax? On your texts coming in, you mentioned briars. Somebody was talking about the cutting of the briars which would make it more safer for cyclists. Should people can't cut them now. They've until they've stopped growing because of those stupid laws that's from a West Cork listener that's the Wildlife Act of which you speak of when you call it a stupid law and you can actually cut the Wildlife Act bans the cutting and burning between the 1st of March and the 31st of August it's to protect and maintain wildlife diversity Uh, but the 31st of August was the cut off date so you are able to cut back hedgerows at the moment to anybody who is mindful about doing that. Cyclists said somebody by law should be prosecuted if they're not wearing high-vis vests. I've had near misses at night with cyclists cycling around in dark clothes. In Cork recently, says the texter, two cyclists were cycling in the middle of a busy footpath in front of Anglesey Street Garda Station. Surely this should not be allowed. Hi, says Patricia, says another texture. I was passing a cyclist Sunday just gone. I was well outside of him when he swerved to avoid a pothole. But it was out he went instead of in. By the way, he had plenty of room to go inside. I had to break hard. That was a, an act an accident waiting to happen for sure. Hi Patricia, I do regard myself as a courteous driver and I try to watch all around me, but I'm sick. And that's put in capitals, of cyclists overtaking me on the inside. Even as late as yesterday morning on the western road in the city, approaching the jail cross junction, approximately two feet from the curve, when suddenly inside of me, a freaking cyclist. Where is the law here when it comes to dangerous overtaking by the cyclist, says this texter. Thank you for that. John and Carrigaline, Patricia. Cyclists shouldn't be sharing the road. They, sh- they pay no tax, they pay no insurance. If you hit a cyclist, the car driver is always wrong. It's a disgrace. Car insurance is too expensive to be dealing with cyclists. It's a thundering disgrace. More rules and nobody there to enforce them. Good old Ireland. Shane Ross is out of touch, says John in Carrigaline. Somebody else. Cyclists who ride two abreast on the road, they are the most dangerous of all on our roads. They are the ones who should be prosecuted. And then over to the WhatsApps. We've got inundated here. Tess says, Hi Patricia, cyclists should be fined for cycling two abreast. I wouldn't walk two abreast when a vehicle is coming towards me or behind me. Cyclists should be paying road tax and insurance. Morning Trish says, Catherine, I'm a car driver five days a week. I do the school run.
run. I see so much bad cycling on the roads, dodging and weaving in and out of traffic, breaking lights, cycling two abreast. The law needs to be looked at for cyclists as as well. They are a law unto themselves. That's in Catherine. Dean Goleen, it is disgraceful that cyclists can get these rights when they don't pay tax or insurance. No safety certificate and no training, says D. Someone else, are cyclists going to be giving penalty points too? Someone else says, bikers don't have rules. Someone else says, cyclists should pay tax and insurance. They think they own the roads. And just a final one, this is from Mick in Middleton, says, hiya. Who do these cyclists think they are? We pay road tax and insurance for the upkeep of our roads for the cyclists to tell us where we can drive, make them pay road tax and insurance. What about if they scratch car passing us out? Who pays for that? The country needs to wake up. It's a case of the squeaky wheel gets the oil first, as in those who shout the loudest get everything. I've had enough of this bull. Make the cyclists pay, then they can talk. Have you ever got stuck behind a cyclist cycling two abreast and you can't pass for a few kilometres? Then you'll know what I mean. Sorry for the rant. <laughs> says Mick from Middleton certainly getting it all off his chest thank you for that as I say just a sample of the many many calls and texts we've had in on this issue 1850 we're going to be talking about the possibility of a four day working week how would people feel about a four day working week I know it's not going to suit all industries but would you welcome a four day working week Noreen is a home help and Noreen says spare a thought for people who work as home helps when you talking about a four day working week with the new rosters they now work 12 days in a row and then they're entitled to four days off then they're straight back on to 12 days in a row no chance or hope of a four day working week for home helps says Noreen and by the way those same home helps will also be working over Christmas thanks Noreen and Bridie says on Christmas decorations it's okay for commercial premises to put up Christmas decorations but I feel for the rest of us Christmas decorations shouldn't go up before the 8th of uh, December. Morning Patricia, thank you for that. This is Mary by WhatsApp. Morning Patricia, absolutely love Christmas when it comes to December but I don't love it in November. I think Christmas starts too early and that is the problem. So Christmas should be for the month of December and the month of December only. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. The lines have been busy today so please have patience uh, with us. You can call, you can text or WhatsApp though to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College, now enrolling for Christmas Junior and Leaving Certificate Revision courses. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie. A childbinder is wanted in Whelan Newmarket area for school going children. One is seven and one is four. Part-time taxi driver is wanted for a school run that's in Charleville. A PSV licence is required. Newmarket Motors, they're looking for an accounts assistant. That's a full-time position. And a farm operator is wanted for work in the North Cork area for general farm work and relief milking and tractor driver. You'll find all the information and more job details by going to c103.ie forward slash jobs. This is C103. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. 
From Bantry to Butterfant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Ovens Farron Active Retirement Circle have been in contact to say that their tea dance scheduled for next Sunday, November 17th at the GAA Pavilion in Ovens has been cancelled and that is due to unforeseen circumstances and a new date will be announced later but it is off for next uh, Sunday. Now according to a North Central by-election candidate Cork could make four-day working weeks the norm in Ireland to discuss why Labour City Councillor John Maher joins me. Good morning to you John. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, I'm very, w- I'm very well. You're welcome to the program now, John. What do you see as the benefits of a four-day week, both for the employee and, and indeed for society as a whole? Um, well, I suppose the, the big thing is, first of all, now is that I suppose the traditional nine to five is no longer the case, and um, businesses and, and and companies are operating at different hours. And um, so, I think that we can we can in in a lot of places, right? There are there will be some exceptions where this won't work. But I think there's a lot of companies out there at the moment now that are, are, are working across an international time clock. Um, and I think that the benefits for us are for, for the employee, for, for the employer, I think you'd have more motivated staff. Um, I believe that a three-day week, or sorry, a three-day... Uh, Four-day. Four-day working week with three days off will allow, will allow, your, will, will allow the employee to become, I suppose, to get a work-life balance. Yeah. Um, I'm not calling for um, I'm not calling for a reduction in hours, but I just think we can plan our working day or working week over four days, and then allow allow employees to spend more time with family. And um, we do know that there, there's a lot of pressures on on families now, um, and it would be nice to have that additional day, um, and even just some me time for for everyone, you know, just for well being and 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 health. Um, yeah, and, and there's so much talk about stress and anxiety and people battling mental health issues because of it, that there's, you know, there's health implications here for people in, in a very positive way. Absolutely. And like, I mean, again, you know, I think now a lot of stigma has been broken, uh, has been broken about mental health and well-being, you know, and I think people now are, 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 are I think people talk about it more, which is a really good thing. I think this will go another step further. And why why do you believe we're best placed to start it here in Cork? Well, I believe we've many we've many international companies um, that that uh, that are you know that that have the the conditions with, regarding their working across an international time clock, um, and I think it, it would be good for us to be a leader, and also too as well, um, we need to push this from from government um, and, and 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 if in Cork City Council, you know, there would be some jobs currently where we have council employees doing the long hours, you know, working late night so we can you know if we can balance this um, again just so we came out of a council meeting last night council officials were there till 10 o'clock mm. you know, so, so local like, authorities and, and government yeah. departments could lead the way on this well, well I think we can all do this I think everyone everybody uh, I think we take a collective approach to it um, I, and where and where where people can or are in a position to do it I think it's something they should think about you know what I mean I think it's something we should sit down and see and weigh up the, the benefits um, and, and put the pros and cons to your company. And I think if we listen, I think, first of all, we'll get things back from employers, from employees, um, from government agencies. And, 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 I, and I think we can come up with a model 
um, I think we can come up with a model um, that will. Um, I think that we will, you know, will 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 come will allow for us to have a four day week. And is it true that there's no link between working longer hours and overall productivity? That's that's what the reports are saying. Wow. Uh, so yeah. So I mean, you know, what this is saying is that people are we're still going to get the same amount of work done. Your employees are going to be better motivated. Productivity isn't affected. Um, I think I think it's a win win, and I just think it's something we should explore. Um, I, you know, the the, the facts are there. Um, a company in Galway has started it, but again, I think Cork. I think there's many. I think there's many companies within within Cork that could take the lead, and, and I also would think that Cork City Council, um, maybe, and, and if, if government wants to, to push something, I do believe that's something we should consider. Yeah, and you're not inventing the wheel here. Um, Japan, for example, which is a country which is known for its work ethic, they've been doing it for for some time and doing it successfully. Well, well, this is it, and I even just see with my own job. Um, my own job now, I'm a sales rep, and the decision maker may not be there when I call in because the pharmacy's open late at night now. So the person that I would normally deal with is on the 4 to 12 shift. Yeah. So again, you know, whereas traditionally it would have been the 9 to 5, you would have only got the person then. That's changed now as well, and there's many other businesses out there that have changed. Um, and I think that, um, you know, it is something, I, I think it's a benefit all around. I think companies will benefit from it. The report has said productivity will not, will not, um, will not, will, will not fall down. Employees will be more motivated, I think, in general, or, or well-being, or mental health. Um, and our family, our work, our work. The work-life uh, the balance. Work-life balance. Like, yeah. And again, I think, I think it is important because we all like to work and we all know the benefits of work because we get a wage and it allows us to do things like pay our bills and then the nicer things like buy something that you need for the kids or go for a meal or go for a pint. Um, so I think I think there's a mutual benefit for her to everybody. And um, what reaction are you getting to your suggestion, John? Um, I, I suppose it's, it's still in its infancy, you know, but it has been positive. It has been positive and I suppose we need, I suppose what we're doing now, um, I know the trade unions um, with Forza are, 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 are pushing it um, and they're producing kind of kind of working policies on it, which is great. And we want to work with with the union um, and work with all the stakeholders as well. Work with the companies because I, I can understand that people will have reservations or they might know enough about it. And I think that's what we need to do. It's create the have, debate, have the conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then inform people. And yeah, there's going to be <clears throat> excuse me, there's going to be hurdles. But then let's work them out. Let's earn them out because I think this is something that will benefit both employers and employees and that is definitely a good thing. Oh, and I can see from listeners contacting us, particularly the working people, think it's absolutely fantastic, um, a fantastic idea. And just while we have you on the line, we discussed the Panaban on the programme uh, last week and uh, how many motorists are not obeying the ban. Now, I know you were hoping to raise it at last night's City Council meeting, but I know you, were, you weren't able to, to raise it uh, last night. But, I mean, is this ban on Patrick Street just simply not working? Well, <clears throat> um, it's, look, at the moment, my experience is that it, it, it's not been obeyed. Um, and what I've asked for, and it'll be next month's council meeting, we put in a question just asking, just asking what has been, well, like what, how many fines have been issued? Um, but more importantly as well, we want to get to know the footfall count. You know, it's been 18 months now since the Pana ban has come in. I think, uh, you know, I'm for pedestrianising uh, the streets in certain hours. Um, I think it's unfair to say it's not working when it's, when the law hasn't been enforced. You know, yeah. but I was in Cork last Sunday week 
it was it was a miserable day, but there was an absolute great atmosphere in Cork City. Yeah, there was lots of people there. They were eating. There's loads of places to go eat. Kerry's Lane, uh, fourteen or French French Church Street, Hall Street, and that's all pedestrianised. And if you walk down that during during that time on the Sunday, it was really really good and it was positive. And I suppose we we just need to make up our minds. Is it open? The, it, well, we know it's not open to cars, but that's not the reality. And we either need to enforce the law or we need to come up and look at it again because it's very confusing at the moment, particularly if you are a tourist. Yeah. And you're coming to the city and you're reading the sign, yet then there's cars going down it. Um, and again, it was suggested to me that the cars going down were tourists. That, that wasn't the case anyway. It, it might have been the weekend of the jazz festival, but I, when, I've been up there when there are not a lot of tourists around and people are driving yeah, down. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I was, I was in Cork for the jazz and uh, I didn't see, you know, I genuinely didn't see it. And the week after, it was that they were not tourists. I mean, you know, yeah. that is not true. Um, and again, if there's the odd one, then that's because of what's happening at the moment. But again, from council's side is that we, we committed, uh, or the previous council committed to making Patrick Street um, uh, we say free from cars between the times of 3 and 6.30 and I think you know that we need to come back now and just kind of find out you know and for other reasons I mean you know we, we at the time there was all the hype and you know, we were talking about parking initiatives and incentives and validated parking if you spend so much in the city and we, we've come some way with regards to the incentives but I mean I think we need to have the conversation you know, if businesses are telling us that you know it's it's not working or it is working, well, then we need to tweak the offering again. But I just don't know that conversation being had. Um, and that, that's, that's literally when I, when I sent a tweet, I'd been in Cork all week, uh, for, for most weekends, and I said, this is not, I thought it was for the jazz, I thought it was an exception. But then the other weeks, and then it was only there again on the weekend, and it's not. It's yeah, and I know when, when we covered it last week on the programme, uh, the amount of people who were giving us days and dates where they saw loads of people, you know, that it, it. Well, it's I, not just so, a one-off. Yeah, so so again, so where I'm coming from is that as councillors, we, we want to work with City Council, we want to work with the businesses, we want to work with, with, the, with the pedestrians, because it, it, there's so many stakeholders involved. Um, in in this, in, in, I suppose in this in this rule, and we want to come up what's best. But I think just bringing it in and forgetting about it—that's not good. Okay, all so right. We're, we're just we're going to bring forward. it back to council, and hopefully, when when we do have the answers, we we'll definitely give the issue. And we'll talk again, John. Listen, thank you for that, and thanks for joining thanks. us on the program. No, bye, bye, bye. That is uh, Labour City Councillor John Maher, who joined us to talk about he thinks Cork could lead the way on a four-day working week. Texas says, "Hi, Patricia. My son works three 13 hour days and he's been doing that for the past six months they are different days each week but he absolutely loves getting all of his working hours done over three days rather than doing it over five days because he also has to drive 25 miles to work and then home again so there's a commute on either end of his working day and if he was doing that five days a week he way prefers uh, to do it over three days it is the way to uh, go and mix us haha try delivering home heating oil on a four day working week says <laughs> Mick yeah that like we, in fairness to John Maher he is saying that it's not going to work for everyone it's like the lady who contacted us Noreen who's a home help you couldn't tell you how would you say unless you would bring in enough home help so that everybody's only able to do a four day working week and it would be the same with home heating oil you'd have to have more workers so yeah, I absolutely accept it's not going to work in all industries 
but it's just to have the conversation and take a look at it because that listener whose son is doing it and is thrilled to be able to get all of his working week done over three days rather than have it spread over five uh, days. Now, just some other texts coming into 0862103103. Somebody texted in to say, is this the correct number for Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist? And you're missing a digit at the end. Annalise's number is 021. 0821010 0214810110 You're missing a zero at the end. That's Annalise who runs the Health Hub in Times Square in Balancholic. Now we were talking about wills and end of life and making sure that when we're no longer here that our loved ones are either looked after or if you want to give items to certain people that it's very clearly put in your will but also your wishes. I think your wishes you know, some people have very strongly held beliefs, like religious beliefs, for example, and they might have a set way that they want their funeral mass or where they would like to be buried or if they'd like to be cremated or if they wouldn't like to be cremated. And all things like that can all go into a will. That has prompted a listener to say, again, going back to the point of why and how important it is to make a will and you do it while you're fit and healthy and compass and just write it, have it done and then that's it. Uh, this listener says, I think it's so important to talk about and arrange plans for what happens after your death. After all, we know and choose what to do when we're in life. So make sure that you have all of your choices in place in death as well. I have seen, says this texter, so many families come in and try to take over when they haven't been bothered for years with the people and then they completely disregard the wishes of the deceased. It's absolutely shameful. Thankfully, I'm glad to report, says this texter, I have everything organised and that's that is so important that you have everything down and written down. And I think as well, if there's some, particularly if there's some things that you want, say, around the funeral and the burial that you make family or next to kin, you make them aware because what can sometimes happen is that the will doesn't get read until after the funeral. And if you've got your wishes in a will, it sometimes can be too late. I know I heard of, this was in England, but it was a family who to this day live with the horror of it, had their their dad died and they had him cremated. And it was maybe a couple of weeks after his funeral and, and cremation that they went to read the will and he had quite clearly stated in his will that he didn't want to be cremated, that he wanted to be buried and that he'd actually got a plot where he wanted to be buried and the family were devastated. They were absolutely devastated. Now they, what they did in the end as best they could to try to make up for it, they, the plot where their dad had bought that they were unaware of, by the way, they had, they buried his ashes there but it was just devastating for all of the family. You know, they were already grieving and then they thought, my goodness, in death we haven't even on it. He just hadn't, hadn't, just for whatever reason, was the type of man who didn't want to discuss his death or dying with anyone and had gone away, done his will and that was it but didn't discuss it. So I think it's important that you discuss your wishes as well. The ones where families can do something about it but I mean if it's a, if it's a, a thing about you leaving a particular something or the way you're dividing up your will, that can be kept a secret. That doesn't need to be discussed with anyone. But if there are particular wishes that you have, I do think it's important to discuss that and let others know. 1850 John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. There are now even more ways to listen to C103. Tune in on your radio, go online or grab our mobile app 
And now you can ask your smart speaker to play C103. Play C103. Okay. So you can just follow me. Try it now. Try it now. C103. Cork salon owner Joseph Byrne, along with his excellent staff in Glasheen, are well known for the great work that they do helping out those less fortunate than ourselves, especially homeless people, by hosting days at the salon to allow people to get their hair done for free. This Christmas, Joseph's Hair Salon is planning two special days. And I'm delighted to say Joseph Byrne once again joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Joseph. Good morning, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Take me back. When and why did you start hosting these special days? God, Patricia, is a good few years back now, say eight or nine, I'm sure. Um, I suppose one day I kind of just see people, I think, homeless people, me, cold, hungry, but there's more to that. There's people in... um, um, emergency accommodation, there's people in Edel House, there's different all forms of um, homeless to me, you know what I mean? So what I was trying to do is get them into Sodom, give them a pamper day. Um, it's like some of the men I shampooed um, last year, I was probably saying, to the fact that you touch somebody, not just like um, give them money, you have a physical contact with some man, you're washing his hair or her hair, you're having a physical contact, the warmth of the water and the chat. And that's what meant a lot to some of them. One man started crying because of the emotion of just someone being kind to him and touching him. And, you know, do you know what I mean? A, a contact. That's just, that is just such an incredibly sad thing uh, to hear. And, and, and I remember when you, when you spoke about that before, you know, it struck me that for some of those, you know, the last time probably somebody did that act of kindness and, you know, gently washed their hair was probably when they were kids. Do you know that Absolutely. they've gone, and now suddenly and they're, they're they're invisible. Some of these people when they're on the streets. Absolutely, Patricia. And I was at something there recently up in Arthur, just kind of memorial to mass to those who passed away. And a few of them came over to me. Said, oh my God, I can't wait for Christmas. You know what I mean? It, it, it's something that even they remember. And they're now oh, looking forward to it. He recognises me and gives me a hope. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. Like um, they're looking forward to it after Christmas. One guy says, you know, but. This year, Patrice, I'm trying to expand it to, um, we're not trying to, I'm going to on the 1st of December, I'm doing all children only, a pamper day for children, boys and girls. Okay. Um, on the same situation, um, emergency accommodation and different situations, people that couldn't afford it. And it's going to be washed, cut and blow dry for kids. For boys and girls. Nails, for boys and girls. Right. Yeah. And plus getting their nails done. But I'm having um, a lot of things on the day as well, like hampers and presents for them and food and the whole lot, you know what I mean? It's trying to make it a fun day as well. And you um, always and make it, kids. you always make it that the children won't even realise that this is a free day. They just think mammy or daddy is bringing them along to get their hair done. Oh, absolutely, yes. Or like it, it, it's an outing just to a hairdresser for all kids or something. Because the last thing I, even when adults come, the last thing I want to people to feel it's a charity event you know what I mean yeah it's, yeah you're great it's a fun you're event great. I want them a fun event and I want to you know I'll be I'm I'm a performing seal I'll have great <laughs> crack with them now and I'm <laughs> saying with the adults my staff do all the work the girls are brilliant but I'm the one that kind of be singing the songs and running around with mince pies and presents well and 
you know, but this is, that's what I do, and I don't do the physical walk, just the girls do all that, you know what I mean, and they're the ones that are brilliant. Just yeah, and that. if you're in that situation where you don't have uh, your own front door, you don't have your own home, and for many of the, you know, and the huge number, unfortunately, of children are living in emergency accommodation, they're living in hotels, they're living in B&Bs, and the families, we would have spoken to some of the families, you know, when you don't have a kitchen, you're relying on takeaway food, and so all of any bit of money you have is going on, you know, just keeping the family together, that the thought of bringing the little ones off to get their hair done, that's a luxury that many of them just can't afford. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And I hope, you know, I've been in those accommodations. I've seen double bunk beds in um, places, you know, two or three double bunk beds and nothing else, only cooker, you know what I mean? I can see the confinement. I just can't imagine living in that situation. And maybe shared in a bathroom or shared in a toilet with others. Um, so, you know, what I want them is to experience that the comments are being pampered like any other child that's coming up to Christmas. Um, but, Patricia, I really want to emphasize Christmas. Uh, this isn't just for Christmas. Homelessness, all this isn't just for Christmas. I do it all year round. If a mother wants help, if there's someone out there needs, just contact Joseph and let them know. Let me know. Once a person is genuine, I look after them any time of the year. Because you do the First Holy Communions, don't you? The little girls in particular. Did, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and we did a back to school thing in September. Kids did you? go back to school. Yeah. Um, which I think is a great idea as well. Yeah, and um, they need to have the haircut and be looking all spruced heading in. Absolutely, yeah. And you see, make it casual. Um, you know, just like Mammy comes in with her two girls or two boys when the salon is busy. Um, they're sitting down there like everybody else. They're waiting their turn to be done. I know I can't do that now on Sunday, the, the first, because, it, you know, it's a big day. But that's what I like to do, just to come in as normal. Not normal, but you know what I mean, come in. Yeah, that nobody knows that they're any different. Yeah. They could even be with a classmate there next to them. She could be getting her hair done and paying to get on like the communions. You know what I mean, yeah. Patricia? So this you have a good I'm heart. You. you have a good heart. Yeah. And and people can people help you to help what you're doing? Are you look? Can you can people donate well, anything? I'm looking for selection boxes. I'm okay. looking for toilets, but they're coming in. But this year, Patricia, because it's two days, right? And the girls are very we're all very busy over Christmas anyway. I'm hoping one or two might volunteer to cut on the day or blow dry on the day or come in and shampoo on the day. Some hair, some hair, because it's a Sunday, isn't it? Yeah. The one is going to be the 1st of December and the other is going to be for the adults on the 9th of December. Because I don't don't want to be taking Sundays from the girls. Now, they volunteer, I don't know, they have a choice of not doing it, but every year they come up trumps. And the stuff, Patricia, that's coming in already is amazing. It's, It's fantastic. Yeah, it People sounds it sounds like you and the staff get as much out of it as you put into it. But I can honestly say now you have no idea the feeling. At first time, there's a great adrenaline for day because we're going, 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 going. You could have the salon could be packed, it could be outside the door, <laughs> and then when some are done, they they're, they're very slow to go away because you have the warm to place, you have the food, you have the cup of tea, you have the banter. And then, you know what I mean? So it gets yeah. a big bit. But when the day is over and everyone is gone, there might be one person that really touched you on the day or it might be a family or a child or someone that said something. But it really does hit you and all the girls are exhausted. But actually, an adrenaline that they couldn't really grow for the night. They're so high, you know what I mean? It, it, it's like, oh my God, we're so lucky, first of all, to have what we have. Some of the girls would be crying and say, oh my God, did you see that girl? I can't believe she was like that or that happened to her or whatever, you know? 
So it does. It brings you back. Because people, for whatever for whatever reason, I mean, we all do it. People open up to hairdressers like they do to no one else. Because I'm 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 an unpaid psychiatrist, <laughs> but I know about about when women and men is nobody's business. I could write a book. And have you any understanding why? Why Why do we... I mean, I have a fantastic hairdresser who's, who's a friend of mine now, I have to say. But So I would, I'd have no problem confiding in in her. But why, why do we do it? Why, why do we... There's, there's like a safety. Well, is there something... I, first of all, I think it's a very personal thing because not everybody is touching you, you know what I mean? You have yeah. your shampoo, someone hair done nice and relaxed and you're cutting, you're chatting, you're having a cup of tea, a cup of coffee. And I'm very open about my life to people, you know what I mean? So they're very... Um, they're very open to me and I think as well you know what happens at Joseph stays at Joseph they know yeah. you're not going to say there's people come to me for 25 years Patricia I've been through through everything but what I do find very sad now Patricia and lately it's really getting to me I'm 60 next year and after I get over that but a lot of my clients after 25 years ago with me were in their 30s and 40s you know yeah and I've really built up a fantastic relationship I'm getting old now and sad stories and you know what Built up fantastic relationships with my clients. My clients are friends now. You know what I mean? They're great, and you you know we do build up a relationship with people. And I think that's why they they confide in you as well. I think they're able to tell you about their sickness, their domestic issues, all the things that go on. You know, yeah, the births, deaths, and marriages. You'd have seen them all over the oh, years. Oh, I've been through everything with them. Yeah, and and very sad occasions. You know what yeah. I mean? And are they are they the same customers now who are helping out? I imagine they're some of the ones bringing in the selection boxes, are they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And also people that I don't know, someone dropped in 50 selection boxes to me on Saturday evening, I had left the salon, the girls rang me, don't know who it was. 50? It was 50 selection boxes, one person. <laughs> um, all the gang here in Douglas, all the shops, all the pubs, all I need to do is go in and they look at me and say, Joe, what do you need? They'd hand me money and I'd bring them back a receipt. And there's a bar, isn't there a bar near you that yeah, send over flannery's? Yeah, they, they send over food. Um, for both occasions, they're going to send over sausages, sandwiches, um, refreshments, the whole lot. The girls and flannery's will be coming over and back with the trays. And they love the event as well, and flannery's are very good to us. But um, what was I going to say there, Patricia? Um, for me, it's an easy thing for me to do. It's the people that support me and it's the staff and all that that make it special, you know what I mean? Well, you've a big heart. You've like a big heart. Me air time, you know, well, that's our me. that's our that's yeah. our pleasure. Listen, long may you continue. We'll check in with you again, uh, Joseph. The Kiddies Day is on the first of December, which is a Sunday, isn't it? And it's then the, the adult day is the following Monday week. Yeah, and if there's anyone out there, Patricia, you know what I mean, that really need looking after and the mum said, Oh my little bone would love that now. Just give me a buzz in the sound. Okay, and let me finish on... Let me finish on this text to say, Patricia, what a good, good man you're speaking to. It's a pity that Moore wouldn't take a leaf out of his book. He is a gentleman and he is Joseph Byrne of Joseph's Hair Salon in Glasheen. Uh, Long may you continue, Joseph. We'll talk again. Thank you for that. Bye, Patricia. Thanks for Jen. God bless. In the next hour after half past 12, Joe Heffernan is going to join us and we're going to discuss the benefits of laughter. This is a kind of a, a tie-in with what we did last week. We were talking about seasonal affective disorder and how at this time of the year 
people's mood can drop and we were given tips and pointers around seasonal affective disorder but laughter and how good laughter is for us so we'll discuss that in the next hour. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I just want to recognise and say thank you to a very, one of our listeners, a very kind person from Drina in West Cork and to acknowledge that I've safely received your letter and your donations. As I, Patricia, I was listening to your sad story last week about the lady and her children in Belarus and I'm enclosing €50, which might help her for Christmas. And it's signed a loyal listener from Drina in West Cork. Thank you. Uh, People have just been so kind. It's for young Vika and her three boys. And actually last week, somebody had sent me in uh, Euro, somebody else sent me 20 euro. We got that to her already and she was in tears, the poor girl. Uh, she was so delighted with it. So I'll get that money to her. But thank you because her little fellow, we only discovered when we were sending the money out to her last week that one of her little lads ended up in hospital. And that's a huge, huge inconvenience because she doesn't have transport, obviously, and she's trying to get transport to get him home again. And anyway, so the money came in very handy last week. So thank you to that listener. We were just talking about how great Joseph Byrne is and Joseph's hair sat on. And just we have such kind, kind people in this country. We really do. Now, I've had an email in from Agnes to Patricia at C103 ie to tell me that the Ross Regional Pioneers their annual dinner dance is on in the West Cork Hotel next Sunday afternoon the 17th of November at half past one in the afternoon with music by Marina. Now afternoon dancers if you don't want to go to the dinner part of it you're more than welcome to join them for the afternoon dancing which will kick off from half three onwards but if you want to go to the full event the dinner uh, as well the dinner is at half past one West Cork Hotel that's the Ross Regional Pioneers we hope they have a lovely lovely uh, annual dinner dance. Now, this is a strange one. Uh, Anne was on to us from Mitchellstown to say she got a text message from Lidl saying she was third in their draw. Happy days, says our Anne from Mitchell, Mitchellstown. So she went into Lidl to say, hi, I've won a prize. I'm third in your draw. And they looked at her as if she had two heads saying, no, sorry, we're not running any draw, Mrs. <laughs> we don't know what you're on about. Anyway, it seems it's a scam text that's doing the rounds. They actually started in the summer and Lidl were warning customers to beware of these scam texts. It also started last year about the same time. But last year they were slightly different. They were offering little customers Christmas prizes via text messages. Again, that was a scam. So obviously the fact that little are aware of these since the summertime and the good people in Mitchellstown were not aware of it. It was obviously in a different part of the country. They'll target, so maybe they're targeting Cork now, telling people they've won a prize. So just be very wary of any unsolicited texts. And lots of companies will send out text messages, you know, telling you offers and all of that. You just have to be so careful of every single text you receive. I remember a couple of years ago with all the talking that I do on air about scam calls and scam emails and scam texts. I got caught one day. I got a text in to say, I think it was I was in with the chance of winning something. I think it was a draw or something. And I had to respond to the text and I stupidly did. And literally immediately I got three texts back and that straight away alerted me and I thought this is a scam and when I checked each of the texts that they sent back to me cost me two euro so for six euro no I was able to opt out very quickly seemingly what would have happened was I would have got those same three texts every day until I eventually did the opt out or whatever it was I had to do but I was kicking myself at the time that I was so stupid so you do have to be careful and actually just while we're on scams the Guardian warning 
about fraudulent emails that are doing the rounds. So these are targeting rather than households and individuals, these are targeting Irish companies and some Irish companies have got caught and they've lost hundreds of thousands. We're not talking about me and my six euro, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of euro. The scams are known as invoice redirect fraud or CEO fraud. This now has come up before but it's back again with a vengeance. In recent weeks, there's been a noticeable increase in this type of crime, according to the Gardaí. Criminals have succeeded in defrauding companies for very substantial sums of money. For example, one company lost over €200,000. Another lost almost half a million dollars. Everyone should treat any request to change bank account details with extreme caution. In this type of fraud, the scammer poses as a trusted supplier are they can sometimes pose as a company executive. They're often, they've hacked in or they're mimicking an an established company's email address or a mobile number. So look, everything will look above board. The criminal then dupes other legitimate company officers into transferring sums of money to bogus accounts that they've set up. They carry this off often by posing as a supplier and the supplier will say, sorry about this, we've changed bank account, you need to pay that invoice, can you pay it into, this is our new bank account. And some of them have even gone so far as to say, we had to change our bank account because we were hacked and you think, oh God, all the scams doing the round, the poor company got caught, so this is our new bank account and of course they haven't been hacked, you're being duped because they're not really your supplier. Irish organisations to be caught in some of the scams included Trinity College Dublin, which is full of very, very well-educated people so it just proves anyone could be caught. They were hit for almost 800,000 euro and that was back in 2017. Now Gardaí are advising small businesses to pay extra attention to email requests that appear to come from a regular contract contact but which are requiring you to change bank account details for payment. The Gardaí say if you are not sure pick up the phone and speak to somebody in the invoicing company somebody you know and trust and somebody you've dealt with in the past. Victims of invoice redirect fraud range from very small businesses to very large companies like Trinity College in Dublin and the consequences of falling for a scam of this nature can be catastrophic particularly for a small company who literally may not be able to take the hit. So beware of that and please be careful. It's your hard-earned cash. We want you to hang on to it and nobody else. And staying on scam calls, we've had a couple of calls in this morning to say their scam calls seem to be targeting the Carrick-Navarre area this morning for some reason. They are, they look like a West of Ireland call in that they look like they've come from either Galway or Mayo. As it looks when you look quickly at the number. It looks like the prefix is 091 or 094 which is Galway and Mayor but of course they're not. They're scam calls. So beware of that if you're in the Carrick-Navarre area. We were talking about the possibility of a four day working week earlier this morning. Mary in Mallow says what would happen with service people or self-employed who can't afford to do a four day working week? It seems to accommodate just office people. Shops also can't close. They can't run for four days. So I don't know who they're facilitating really. Yeah I mean that was the whole thing when we were having this discussion there are certain industries and certain models it will work in it's not going to work in the service industry obviously but then it could if you were a very large company you could do it in such a way that you take on extra workers and the people work longer days to facilitate people getting a four day working week 
kind of where there's a will, there's a way. But it's not, absolutely, it's not going to suit all industries. Still, thank you, Mary, for your call. Still getting in calls and comments on cyclists versus the motorists. Eleanor on Blarney Street. Cyclists, I feel, should have insurance. This keeps coming up time and time again. If motorists have to have it, then why not cyclists? I've had cyclists hit my car, done damage to my car, but they cycle off, so you've got no comeback at all. It falls on you to replace the damage done to your car. Eddie and Mallow. If cyclists got penalty points on their car licence, that would solve a lot of the problems on our roads with regard to cyclists. Most cyclists are car drivers as well. Many cyclists on the road are only out to get a claim. You can't say that. But you can't, but there's no way that that could happen. That if you did, if you somehow broke the rules of the road on your bike and you are a driver, that it could transfer over. That certainly would not happen and wouldn't work. It just simply uh, would not work. Okay, with regards, this is Fergal. This is a lengthy text. Hi, Patricia. With regard to cyclists versus motorists, I am a motorist and a cyclist. What most seems, what most people seem to be forgetting is, yes, cyclists do break the rules of the road, but so do motorists. Cyclists are subject to the very same laws of motorists on the road. It's illegal, for example, or sorry, it is legal, for example, to cycle to abreast. Can I ask you this, please? How many motorists were involved in killing people, both other motorists and pedestrians, cyclists, etc., over the past 10 years? Then I'll ask the same question about cyclists. How many cyclists have killed motorists, pedestrians or other cyclists? This new 1.5 metre rule is to try and drum it into motorists to please give a bit of room to cyclists and hopefully other road users. P.S. An awful lot of cyclists do have insurance, by the way, when they're out on the road thanking you and that's from Fergal in Kilavollen and in fairness it was one of the points that Connor Faulkner and I made as well when I was chatting with Connor from the AA cyclists are perhaps the most vulnerable people using our roads so you know they do need to be protected as well but it works both ways. They need to obey the rules of the road uh, as well. But there's Fergal seeing it from both sides. But Fergal is right. If there is, if somebody is going to drive aggressively or if it's going to break the rules of the road while driving versus somebody breaking the rules by cycling, it's the person, the motorist is more likely to kill somebody than the cyclist will. Even though some would say the cyclist, you could be swerving to avoid a cyclist and cause an accident and somebody could be killed as a result of what the cyclist uh, did. Thank you, Fergal, for your text. Catherine says, I drove the road through Step Aside to Kiltiernan. That's Minister Shane Ross area. It was inundated with cyclists. One and three abreast. (laughs) He obviously is very happy with this as they must be worth a lot of votes, says uh, Catherine. Always looking after your your own patch. What is it? All politics is uh, local. And here's another lengthy text in relation to the new rules regarding cyclists. I would like to give you my opinion as both a cyclist and a fully licensed driver of a car. Now, uh, who will be, I would be the first to say that there are a lot of cyclists are dangerous and stupid, but so are other road users. The main difference being that a cyclist being dangerous risks their own life, whereas a car risks everybody else's life. And in regards to tax for cyclists, last time I checked, a bike doesn't destroy roads and it doesn't pump out pollution. Most people have no idea how terrifying it can be to cycle on public roads and vice versa. Cyclists need to follow the rules of the road and wear high-vis 
and always use lights. We both need to respect each other as we they we both have the same rights to the road. Give space to each other, please. And drive safely. That's all you need to do. Yeah, and I suppose the whole idea is to try and keep everybody safe on our roads. That's what the whole idea of it is about, is to just keep everybody, trying to keep everybody safe. 1850 And a couple just, while we were talking about scam calls, I'm after getting two texts in back to back relating to Boots. A Douglas listener says, I got a scam call from Boots that I'd won a second prize. They've been clever, aren't they? Not that you've won the top prize, but you've won a second or a third prize. And Mary says, Hi Patricia, my daughter and her friend got a similar scam text saying that they'd won a prize in a Boots draw. Neither had entered a draw. My daughter is a teenager and I'm the one who pays for everything that she needs in Boots. So we know we didn't enter a draw, says Mary. And then somebody else saying that they got uh, a scam call, but there seems to be texts as well. Just be careful. 1850-333-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Blood Transfusion Service are holding a donor clinic in the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen that is on today and tomorrow 3 to 5 in the afternoon and 7 to 9 at night. There will be a bucket collection in Mallow tomorrow Wednesday from 9am to 6pm it's in aid of Bumblance it's the Children's Ambulance Service they are still looking for volunteer collectors if you can help out and give up an hour call Margaret 086 258 Drama Group are performing A Room with a Cue it's a comedy by Gronya Jordan it opens tomorrow night Wednesday and it runs over five nights in the local community hall at eight at nightly and the wonderful Moore Ella the Mallow Choir they're holding their annual table quiz. It's in Albert Lynch's bar in Mallow on Thursday. Lots of spot prizes and it's a guaranteed great crack. And a coffee morning in aid of Mitchellstown Cope Residence will be held on this Thursday in Forest Hall New Square in Mitchellstown. It will go on from 10am until 1pm. There will be a raffle and there will be a cake sale. And Chambalymore National School are holding a fundraising fashion show in the Fergraff Hotel in Mitchellstown on Friday night. Half seven start with tickets available from the school. This Wednesday on C103's Cork Today show, we'll be speaking with a representative from Awalia. Awalia is a scheme to help homeowners find a resolution to their home mortgage arrears. It provides vouchers for free financial and legal advice and help from experts which are available through MABS. If you have been through the Awalia scheme and would like to share your story, or if you're looking for advice, email corktoday at c103.ie. Then listen in this Wednesday at 11.45am only on C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. On scam calls, Patsy Mbohabui was on holidays in Lanzarote recently and got a scam text about get, that she'd won the second prize in the Boots draw. So the scam calls are even following you when you're away on holidays in beautiful Lanzarote. Mary says, Hi Patricia, I got a similar text from Boots last week. Completely ignored it. Why? I haven't been in Boots in over a year. <laughs> I knew I couldn't have won a prize. Thank you for that. Okay, a couple of people on about TV programmes. Mary says, Patricia, did you see the programme last night on climate change? Uh, I didn't, but I was recorded to watch. Anyway, and how it will affect Ireland in 2050, which isn't that long away in the scheme of things. It was hosted by Gerald Fleming of the Met Office, who has been drawing attention to climate uh, change for the past 30 years. It was a real wake-up call for me, says Mary. It was a great programme, well worth watching. I don't know how many others 
Paris sat down and watched it. I know the bit that I saw was quite depressing in what we are facing if we don't wake up to climate change and you'll have people, including people in power and presidents of big countries, saying to you that climate change doesn't exist and the reality is there because the likes of Jared Fleming and the meteorologists who've been seeing the changes in our climate know the climate change very much is a reality and as I say 2050 is not that long away. A programme I did watch and put a smile on my face was The Young Offenders. Anthony says great show last night on The Young Offenders they were brilliant. Cork looked well and Demi Isaac uh, from Mallow was very funny. Yeah I watched it it was it does I always think it makes Cork look great and I love watching it and you know, you're watching scenes where you know exactly the street and you've been on that street only recently and, and all that so I think it certainly does uh, great things for or Cork in selling Cork as a lovely city but I was kind of watching it last night wondering because it's you know it's a BBC RTE production and it goes it goes out on BBC actually before it goes out on RTE and I, I don't know what the reason for that is there I think they're almost a week nearly a full week ahead of us they had their first episode last week um, it's very much Irish humour it's very much Cork humour it's quite crude in parts I mean I was cringing at some of it you know I mean just really head in the hands kind of cringing in a funny way, but I was cringing. But I, it just struck me last night, how does this go down with an English audience, I wonder? And obviously it's doing well, because if it's been commissioned for another season, it's going down well. But humour is a kind of a funny thing, isn't it? So, you know, you just wonder how in a different country, how it, how it, how we, they get the humour, but they obviously do. And humour is something we are going to be discussing, because in a couple of minutes, Joe Heffernan is going to be joining us on the programme. And we are going to be talking about the benefits of laughter. <laughs> I could listen to that. I really could listen to that uh, all day. Okay, just a final few texts before we go to uh, Joe. Still getting lots of people saying they got that text from Boots. That must be really doing the rounds at the moment. And one we hadn't focused on before, the scam. So just alert people, scam texts from Boots doing the rounds. We were talking about Wills earlier on. Another good piece of advice, says a listener, is make sure when you have your will written that your family members know where your will is. That can also be a problem. Okay, thank you for that. Anthony says, Shane Ross is making cyclists a very protected species. And fair enough, they deserve respect and fairness. But when they do harm to pedestrians by jumping lights, etc., and maybe damaging a car, where is the comeback if they vanish from sight? They don't have number plates and they're generally untraceable says Anthony. So we need to have, Anthony feels need to have stronger rules when it comes to cyclists. And Margaret in Kilbrim said both should show respect. We all make mistakes on the road. What about motorists that drive off at the time of an accident? So everybody needs to take responsibility. The cyclists seem to be getting a lot of stick on your programme today, says Margaret in Kilbrim. But motorists are to blame as well. OK, let's park it there. Pardon the pun. Uh, 1850 We'll take a break and we're back talking about the benefits of laughter with Joe Heffernan. 
Egg foil mock quid then and here is Farlane. Shaw eight thrower C one oh three air kirkig. Is there in Devil Yaston Gaharaho Elizabeth Fort? Agasterter Gwicha or Shandus the Sample is far the rune rail to her hook on Shachtu Hishdiak. Kigger at Togoche Harnablianta, Hogalord on Dun on Giatlaw of Fos Lefeshkint, a Togoch, a do sporter, Sivlian Shadiak Sahayan, when Saltas Rarkana Untoha Erhahar Kurki, O Ali Nununta, Agas Tog Truss, Hunfalum Vestaran Duin, Agas Nakaharach, Hodeshna Green Grafador of the Untochal, Marshin Nofog, Gan Selfie Hogan. Nukta, quid denaneha is far. Ari Gorkic, C103. This is the. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Cork Today Replay on C103. Joe Heffernan joins us. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And we had a great chat last week about SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder. And I, actually, I couldn't get over the number of people who either commented uh, on it or contacted us or I spoke with who either themselves admitted that they had at some stage in their life had had an episode of SAD or knew somebody who always goes down in the winter months. It's just, it's, it is very common. Absolutely. Probably a lot more common than, than we realise, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, so we're going to keep it upbeat today and we want to discuss the benefits of this. <laughs> I heard that this morning. <laughs> I, I literally, I don't know what it is, but a little baby like that laughing, you can't help but smile as soon as you hear a baby like that laughing. So it's just, I mean, yeah. even just that little clip, it's only like 15 seconds long. It just, it, like the science behind it, isn't it? There, there are benefits to, to either laughing yourself or, you know, because it's infectious. Yeah, and I'm glad you clarified that that wasn't me stopping no, or no. talking. <laughs> yeah, um, no, absolutely. And um, I heard you actually, I heard that this morning. Um, I was uh, going to the shop um, uh, in the car, and you, you're dead right. I mean, I, I started to smile immediately and maybe have a, a bit of a laugh out loud. And the very same there now this minute, um, uh, because laughter is infectious. Um, and that's why it's great to be around people 
who are, you know, um, uh, can be light-hearted about things. Um, now, there's many a listener might say, ah, yeah, but, and, yeah, well, we, are, we, we, we do have the things that go wrong and there might be days we don't feel like laughing, but if we can find situations, or even find humour in the betting. I remember recently now, um, I had ear trouble and, um, ah, it's a long story. Um, it involves hearing aids and things, but they're gone back and, um, it, uh, and Mary has a problem with her eyes recently. So I was saying to her like that, you know, with her with the good ears and me with the good eyes, that between us we had one good head. And um, it, it kind of lightened it up a bit because I think both of us were feeling a bit down. Yeah. And I think you can find some bit of humour stuck in somewhere in, in most things, you the know. The amount of people that will say around a bereavement and, you know, when a family member dies... The people that will say, oh, God, something so funny happened at the removal or the day before the removal or the day of the of the funeral. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong, even in such a sad, sad time of your life. There's nothing wrong in finding something humorous. Absolutely. And I think an awful lot of people at wakes and that um, share funny stories, funny um, incidents that happened with the with the person, with the deceased person. Now, I suppose it's taken it a bit far, all right, like the guy the guy who had the recording about knocking on the coffin. Well, some people took offence to that, yeah. Okay. I mean, it was just, it was the fact that not everyone had been warned, whatever yeah. everybody warned. But I mean, I, and I tweeted about this last week when we lost our, our wonderful gay burn. Yeah. And it was this night last week when they put on that impromptu Late Late Show. And that was a wonderful night of music and laughter and yeah. love. And he was remembered with such great fondness. But the majority of it, there was such great laughs on it, remembering the man. You know, and I, I tweeted about, you know, that that programme shows how well we do bereavement and how well we do death. You can remember the person fondly. And with some laughter. Absolutely. Without question. Um, yeah. And I mean, laughter is actually good for our health. I mean, it relaxes the body. A good hearty laugh relieves, you know, tension, stress. Uh, it relaxes the muscles. Um, apparently, there's been a lot of um, research. There's a guy, Paul E. McGee, PhD. I was reading a quote uh, your sense of humour is one of the most powerful tools you have to make certain that your daily mood and emotional state support good health. Well, so, yeah. There's it's, studies um, there. But yeah. it's, it's like we all have. I, I would have one very good friend who, um, un- and I say unfortunately, unfortunately he lives in England so he's too far away from me. Um, he just, and I love one, I know we're going to meet up with him, he's just a funny, funny guy. You know, one of these guys who's he's just funny to the bones. Yeah. And I love spending time with him. And everybody in our friendship group loves spending time with him because you are going to come away from having any period of time with him, knowing that you will have laughed until you've had, you know, pains in your side, tears coming out of your eyes. And they're the kind of people we all want to be around. Absolutely. And I mean, um, the, the, the laughter that you described there, it decreases, um, stress, um, uh, it, it actually increases immune cells and infection-fighting antibodies. Um, 
So it's it's uh, there's a lot more to it than just you know we say having a laugh, but it's very important. I mean the the body's natural feel good chemicals, endorphins, these promote an overall sense of well being, and um, uh, laughter uh, increases triggers the release of endorphins. And would you believe it or not, like laughter protects your heart. It improves the function of blood vessels and increases blood flow. Um, and that can, you know, it's good for your heart and can protect you against uh, heart attacks and other heart uh, problems. So, you know, it, they, yeah, they, there's a lot more to it, like, than just, um, uh, as we'll call it, having a laugh. Having it, a good, and there's nothing like a good, you know, that really good belly laugh where, oh, you, where yeah. you, you almost have a pain in your side or my one is I have tears coming out of my if I have a really good laugh I will end up literally tears coming out of my eyes yeah. and and us females if anyone's like me and you wear mascara a lot I'll end up with two big black eyes okay. always a sign of a great evening if I head into the bathroom going oh mascara all over the place uh, but it's, 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 it's great and so therefore watching comedy on TV must be good yeah I mean I remember a specific day I've mentioned it to you before that um, I can't remember now what it was I was that bit down about, or maybe there was no good reason, just down anyway. And um, uh, I, I, we went to Killarney that evening. Um, uh, we, we were in Killarney to do a specific thing, but we decided we'd stay on and go to a film, and it was The Hangover. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was hilarious. And, you know, I came out of it an awful lot better than I went in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so try to inc- if kids, you know, try and include a bit of laughter, a bit of comedy in in your life. Reading is, you know, if you can, if there are particular comedians that write books, or you know, even to go on YouTube and look at old clips of. I've been doing a lot of that. I think with since Gay Byrne has died, there's been an awful lot that's come up on YouTube of Gay, some of Gay Byrne's best interviews were right. when he interviewed comedians. You know, like especially the likes, with the likes of Billy Connolly. Yeah. And, Absolutely. Um, and and ours, yeah, hilarious. And, and the early day Graham Norton stuff when he used to interview Graham Norton who looks like a young lad in some of the yeah. clips. But you can't help yeah. but coming away, you know, with your heart lifted a little bit. Absolutely. And um, what I find recently is that quite a few people um, unannounced just send me a funny thing on uh, on WhatsApp. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, 90% of the time, they are genuinely very funny. And, uh, yeah, they raise your um, your mood and, you know, you, you, you get a bit of a laugh out of them. Um, I remember one specifically, it was one of, um, there was uh, the blazing, awful thing that happened Notre Dame in, uh, in Paris with all the flames. And the caption underneath it was Father Ted saying to somebody, you mean you 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 got Dougal to do the funeral, and uh, you know even in a dire, awful situation like had happened, um, there was humour to be found somewhere. Yeah, and you say you can't feel anxious, angry, or sad when you're laughing, which I would never have thought of. But you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you absolutely can't. It dissolves those kind of de- we'll call them the distressing emotions. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, it helps you to relax and recharge. Um, and it kind of shifts perspective. Um, do you know that um, sometimes um, we need to kind of maybe, as it were, reframe uh, 
a, a situation. You know, um, um, a smile, um, which I suppose is the beginning of laughter, um, is contagious. If people smile at you or to you or whatever the word is, um, uh, it, it, it usually brings a smile back from uh, the other person. And I think um, sometimes, you know, we often talk about the gratitude list. We often talk about counting our blessings. And um, in a way, I think humor can get us um, into that place um, uh, with with a bit of humor and, and a bit of laughter. And so I think it's like you nailed it there a while ago, like when you said about spending time with that particular friend. Yeah. It's good to spend time with fun and uh, playful people. Um, people who are up for a laugh and... Um, people who and, are... And, uh, and they're always very positive people. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it is about humorous people are always really positive. And like the flip of that is we will all know uh, and have people in our lives who are negative, whose glass mm. is always half empty. Yeah. Can never be half full. And they're the people you don't want to be around. It's an awful thing to say, but you're, you know, you're just, you're dragging yourself to visit or away from them afterwards. Whereas if it's a positive, upbeat person, you can't wait to see them. Absolutely. And and I mean, there you are. That means like there's, um, uh, socially speaking, a good sense of humour um, is, uh, you know, it, it enhances uh, relationships. It attracts people to us, um, uh, as you say. I mean, as against the opposite, which you know, you're 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 pretending that you suddenly need to duck into a doorway because someone is going to um, uh, it's going to be gloom and doom all the way. So. Um, and of course, as we all know, um, humour can help at times to, de- uh, to defuse uh, conflict or, or, or an argument. Sometimes when, when two people are deadly serious about some particular topic, and if it's kind of a bit appropriate to do it, if one can <coughs> excuse me, bring in a little bit of humour into it, yeah. Well, whole- it's exactly what you say. You can't feel angry. Uh, when, when you're laughing yeah. and uh, Sean says Joe Heffernan is spot on uh, whenever I have a row with her indoors always the way to end it is I'll crack a joke we'll both end up laughing and she says you do it every time you end an argument by telling me a joke you can't fight when you're laughing and Anne says uh, hi Patricia I just loved that baby laughing it had mm. me laughing too I have an idea for you at C103 you could play a 30 se- second clip of a similar laugh play it three or four times a day I'm sure it would h- certainly help to brighten up people's days especially the elderly who are often on their own laughing is the best tonic kind regards that's from Anne McCarthy and John Paul says he's getting calls in to say play it again please And actually, I have to say, myself and John Paul in the office this morning had great fun going through clips to find a little laughing baby, the one the one that we would play out yeah. uh, for uh, today. And we were trying to get ones that weren't, because there's a lot of visual ones where you can see the baby. Right. Whereas, whereas that one is just perfect. Or you can just hear, you don't even have to see the little baby. You, in your mind, you're imagining the, uh, the, the child. I'm, I'm imagining the baby being tickled. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's our, so the, the thing to try and do is just lighten up every moment.
Just try. Not every moment, but where where you can. When you can. Bring some laughter in. All right, listen, Joe, have a great week and laugh a lot. Okay. Thanks a million. We'll talk to you next week. That is uh, Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bohabwe. His number is 029 766 Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.